بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم in the name of Allah the most beneficent the most merciful I testify that there is no true God worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad is Allah's true slave and messenger this book is from the treasures of Imam Ibn Qayyim and it is a chapter under the title the displays of lowly desires by Imam Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyya and it will be appended with warning the Muslims against deviant creeds and methodologies introducing Imam Ibn Qayyim or Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyya he is Muhammad bin Abi Bakr bin Sa'd bin Hariz al-Zura'i al-Dimishqi Abu Abdullah known as Ibn Qayyim al-Jawziyya which means the son of the person his father who was a scholar himself and a devout worshipper who was in charge of the Jawziyya learning center in Damascus Ibn Qayyim was born on the seventh day of Safar in the year 691 after Hijrah corresponding to 1292 of the current era possibly in Damascus at the age of 7 he began to attend the learning circles of 25 renowned scholars of his times he excelled in many disciplines including tafsir hadith Usuluddin, fundamentals of the deen and Arabic language Ibn Kathir rahimahullah as well as other scholars wrote many good things about his worship and remembrance of Allah even the people of Mecca witnessed his strong devotion in worship when he performed Hajj he met Shaykh al-Islam Ahmad ibn Taymiyyah in the year 712 corresponding to 1312 and stayed in his company until the death of Shaykh al-Islam in 728 he was greatly influenced by Shaykh al-Islam but he never copied him for he was not a blind follower while studying with Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah he discovered that he himself had some wrong understandings adopted by those who don't affirm the meanings of Allah's names and attributes as they came in the Quran or in the authentic Sunnah he explained his repentance in a great poem known as An-Nuniyyah in which he exposed and refuted the innovative misconceptions about Allah and his names and attributes and which were the product of the scholastic theologians and those who were affected by them he stood up in support of the principles and the beliefs of the Salaf, the righteous predecessors which Shaykh al-Islam rahimahullah spent most of his life defending he continued his efforts against corrupt beliefs and innovators after the death of Ibn Taymiyyah he died on the 13th of Rajab 751 
corresponding to 1350. He had many students, including Ibn Kathir, Rahimahullah, Ibn Kathir, who died in the year 774, corresponding to 1373. Ibn Rajab al Hambali, who died in 795-1393. And Imam al Dhahabi, and Imam al Dhahabi, who died in 748-1347 and also of Imam Ibn Abdul Hadi 744-1343 and Taqayyuddin al-Subki who died in 756-1355 and others as well Ibn Qayyim wrote many works in many Islamic disciplines which were and still a major source of enlightenment for the da'wah workers according to the path of the Salaf al-Salih the righteous predecessors rahimahumullah many of his works were burned by the enemies of the path of the Salaf together with many of Ibn Taymiyyah's works all praise is due to Allah what remained from their works is a reference for many Muslim scholars and seekers of knowledge the works of Imam Ibn Qayyim are distinguished and highlighted by the following number one reliance on evidences taken from the Quran and the authentic Sunnah explaining them with simplicity aimed at directing the people to take the Quran and the Sunnah and warning from scholastic theological rhetoric secondly in any case that he didn't find evidence from the Quran and or the Sunnah he gave precedence to the sayings of the Sahaba of the companions over any other thing and he supported this position by 81 points in his great book on the fundamentals of Islamic law which is called I'lamul muwaqqeen thirdly comprehensibility and extensiveness excellent research and a thorough coverage of the material related to the subject of entrance fourthly his ability to choose and preponderate although he was a Hanbali scholar he was a follower of the Dalil of the evidence even if it was different from the position of the Hanbali Madhab he warned against blind following of the Madhab or Madahib if the evidence preponderate a different position from that taken by the Madhab fifthly a clear understanding of the objectives of Sharia in fact his writing excelled over many other works because of this quality sixthly a lively and beautifully stimulating style in addressing the problems of the Muslim society seventh attractiveness a style that pleases the heart and mind eighth good organization and context nine humbleness and humility were all were all apparent in his works Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah, died on Wednesday evening the 13th of Rajab the year 751 corresponding to 1350 at the time when the call for the Isha prayer was being announced Salatul Janaza the funeral prayer was performed on him the next day after Salatul Dhuhr at the Umayyad mosque in Damascus many people attended his funeral and burial 
and he was buried next to his mother's grave. May Allah's mercy be bestowed upon them both. He started his chapter, Rahimahullah, saying, All praise is due to Allah, who made al-mahabba, love, a way to attain al-mahboob, the beloved, and who set obedience and submission to him as evidence of a true love of him. By al-mahabba, by love, he stimulated the souls so that they may prefer to seek and achieve all kinds of perfection. Exalted and far above any imperfection is he who by virtue of his ability turns the hearts to love as he wills, to whom he wills, in detailed and specific measures. High is he above any imperfection who favors the people in mahabba, in love of him, and those who love his books and his messenger Muhammad وسلم, above all others loving them perfectly and completely he continued I testify that la ilaha illallah none has the right to be worshipped except Allah without a partner or associate attesting to his rububiyyah to his lordship testifying to his wahdaniyyah to his oneness and uniqueness submitting to him because of my love of him conceding to him in obedience Acknowledging his bounty, fleeing to him from my sins and faults, hoping for his pardon and mercy, greatly desiring his forgiveness, clearing myself to him of having neither a change from one condition to another nor power except by his will, seeking none other than him as a lord, as a rab, nor taking other than him as a protector and a trustee, taking refuge in him resorting to him for shelter desiring no change or deviation whatsoever in my ubudiyah to him ubudiyah Ibn Qayyim mentioned al-ubudiyah what is ubudiyah? ubudiyah is a comprehensive term that asserts the meaning of the ayah which we read in surah al-fatiha daily you alone do we worship and you alone do we seek for help it comprises the slavery of the heart the tongue and the limbs to Allah Ta'ala the slavery of the heart includes the qawl which is saying of the heart and the amal or a'mal the actions of the heart the qawl of the heart the saying of the heart is the belief is the i'tiqad attestation with certainty in what Allah has informed about his self his names and attributes his actions his angels and all that which he had revealed in his book and sent upon the tongue of his messenger Muhammad the a'mal the actions of the heart include love for Allah reliance upon him turning to him in repentance fearing him having hope in him devoting the deen sincerely to him having patience in what he orders and forbids, having patience with his decrees and being pleased with them, having allegiance for his pleasure, having humility for him, <coughs> and humbling oneself in front of him and becoming, and becoming tranquil with him. The qawl, the saying of the tongue, is to convey what Allah has revealed in the Quran and in the authentic sunnah regarding himself his names and attributes, his actions, his commands, 
his prohibitions and all that is related to his deen. To call to it, to defend it, to expose the false innovations which oppose it, and to establish its remembrance and to convey what it orders. The a'mal, the actions of the limbs include salah, prayers, jihad, striving in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in self and in wealth, in ilm, in knowledge, attending the Jum'ah prayers and the rest of the Jama'at, the congregational prayers, assisting those who are unable and acting with goodness and kindness to the creation and other such acts. This comprehensive meaning of the Ubudiyah pertains to its specific type. The people who fall under this type of Ubudiyah are the believers who obey, love and sincerely follow the deen of Allah. This is the first type of Ubudiyah, the special one. The second type of Ubudiyah is the general one in which all creatures in the heavens and in the earth are subdued to Allah's sovereign authority and power. Everything is subservient to His will and authority. Nothing occurs or ceases to occur except by His leave. His is the kingdom and He disposes the affairs as He pleases. This type of Ubudiyah the general one is known as the Ubudiyah of Qahr, of subduing and mulk, sovereignty, kinship, possession, mastership. So, the part of the ayah which we read in Surah Al-Fatiha, Iyaka na'bud, you do, we worship, asserts the adherence to the four principles of the Ubudiyah, the sayings of the heart, the actions of the heart, the sayings of the tongue, and the actions of the limbs. The other part, you alone do we seek for help stresses the fact that the believer must ask Allah alone to help him establish the ubudiyah and succeed in executing all what it requires all of this which I related to you is really basically based upon the works of Imam Ibn Qayyim himself in this great classical book of his which is called Madarij al-Salikin Back to his introduction, rahimahullah. He then said, I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is Allah's abd, slave worshipper, and his messenger, the best of his creation, the trustworthy on his revelation, his appointed emissary to his ibad, mankind and jinn, the nearest of creation access to Allah, the most high amongst them in rank before him, the one whose intercession before Allah is most approved, the most beloved of his creation and the most honorable to him he sent him as a caller to iman, to faith and one who invites to al-jannah to paradise a guide to Allah's straight path pursuing his pleasure and all that is beloved to him enjoining every good and forbidding every evil Allah raised his fame opened his breast removed from him his burden and brought disgrace and humiliation upon those who opposed his commands. He made an oath by his, by Muhammad sallallahu life in his clear book, the Quran, when he said, لَعَمْرُكَ إِنَّهُمْ لَفِي سَكْرَتِهِمْ يَعْمَهُونَ in Surah Al-Hijr, verse 72. Verily, by your life, O Muhammad sallallahu in their wild intoxication, they were wandering blindly. So he made an oath 
by his, by Muhammad's life in his clear book, the Quran, and added his name to his, so that when Allah is mentioned, he sallallahu alayhi wasallam is mentioned with him. As for example, in the khutab, the religious sermons conducted on Jum'ah and Eid, etc. And in tashahud, in the prayers, and in at-ta'veen, in calling for the adhan. Allah sent him Muhammad sallallahu at the time when there was a break in the series of messengers guiding therewith to the most right of paths and clearest of ways. Allah made obligatory upon the ibad, the bondsmen, to love and obey him and to respect him and fulfill his due rights. He Allah closed all the paths that lead to al-jannah and did not open them to anyone except through Muhammad sallallahu path. There is no hope for anyone to gain the abundance in reward nor safety from severe torment except for those who follow him on his path. No worshipper will have true faith till he loves Muhammad more than himself, his children, his father, and all mankind. So many saw may the salah and abundant salam of Allah and that of his angels prophets, messengers, and all of the believers in Allah be upon him. And may it also be upon his good family, the believers, and pure companions. It proceeds then that Allah, entitled to all majestic praise and sanctified are his names above any imperfection, who made the hearts awiyah, literally, containers that hold something. Awiyah. The best are those that hold what is good and right. And this is Tawheed, piety, and good deeds. And the most evil are those that retain wrong and corruption, polytheism, crime, and sinful deeds. He gave Al-Hawa power over the heart's desires. He gave desires power over the hearts and put them to the test of opposing it, opposing the Hawa, the desire, in order that through such opposition, the hearts may attain the abode of Al-Jannah. The hearts which are not suitable for the Jannah, due to their following their desires, lowly desires, deserve a fire, blazing fiercely. He made Al-Hawa desire the composite of Al-Nafs Al-Ammara Bissu. Al-Nafs Al-Ammara Bissu. The self that is inclined to evil, and this is mentioned in the saying of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala in Surah Yusuf in 1253 Verily the human self is inclined to evil except upon whom my Rabb, my Lord bestows his mercy on whom he wishes He made Al-Hawa the desire the composite of Al-Nafs Al-Ammara Bissu' the self that is inclined to evil its strength and nourishment also stems from the lowly desire it is the da, the disease of an-nafs al-mutma'inna and its cure lies in opposing it it is the disease to an-nafs al-mutma'inna an-nafs al-mutma'inna the self with complete rest and satisfaction 
which Allah described in Surah Al-Fajr, verses 27 to 30. In 89, 27 to 30. Or you, the one in complete rest and satisfaction, come back to your Lord, well pleased yourself and well pleasing unto Him. ارجعي إلى ربك راضية مرضية فادخلي في عبادي وادخلي في جنتي enter you then among my honored slaves and enter my jannah we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make our nafs nafs al-mutma'inna it is the da meaning the hawa the only desire is the disease of al-nafs al-mutma'inna of the complete of the soul of complete rest and satisfaction and its cure the cure lies in opposing it, opposing the lowly desires. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it obligatory upon his slave within this short period of life, which is no more than an hour in a single day if compared to that of the hereafter, or it is like the wetness stuck to the finger when dipped in one of the oceans, he made it obligatory to disobey and nafs al-ammara, to disobey the self that is inclined to evil, oppose its hawa, its desires prevented from its lusts which would cause its own destruction if it takes hold of it and keeps it from becoming dependent upon, upon its pleasure so that it may gain its full and ample share from his reward and honor and enjoy later in the hereafter many times as much as it has abandoned for Allah's sake now meaning in this world order it to fast abstain from his prohibitions so that its fast breaking occurs before him on the day it will meet him. Tell it that most of the day of fasting has gone and that the Eid, the celebration, the festival whereon the meeting will occur is getting closer, lest long ages pass by delaying it. Get it, get this nafs al-ammara, the self inclining to evil, ready for a great affair and a momentous situation. Save for it such things as no eye had ever seen, nor ear has ever heard of, and nobody has ever even imagined from the everlasting delights. This is in accordance with the hadith of the Prophet والسلام, which is reported by Abi Hurairah. قال حجبت النار بالشهوات وحجبت الجنة بالمكاره. The hellfire is surrounded by all kinds of desires and passions, while al-jannah is surrounded by all kinds of dislikes undesirable things and this is in Sahih Bukhari Allah's most perfect wisdom necessitated that it would not attain the delights of the hereafter except by the way of discomfort fatigue and all kinds of dislike and undesirable things and that's where the hadith goes it would not cross to these delights except over the bridge of hardship and toil Allah surrounded his delights by all kinds of disliked things sheltering it from the despicable low souls which prefer vice and low acts the lofty and high aspiring souls set to work briskly mounting the backs of determination reaching the most noble objective and the most noble objective is to see Allah to see Allah in the Firdaus al-A'la in al-Jannah 
they responded to the caller of Al-Habib, Allah, the Beloved. When he pronounced to them in the Adhan, Hayya al-Falah, hasten to achieve success in this life and an endless delight and happiness in the hereafter. They gave themselves willingly and generously to earn his pleasure. They continued their journey to him in the morning and the evening. And upon their arrival, they commended the way and the timing of their journey. It is said in a proverb, إِنَّمَا يَحْمَدُ الْقَوْمُ السُرَّ عِنْدَ الصَّبَاحِ At daybreak, the party prays night journeying. The party prays night journeying. They become somewhat tired, after which they found a long rest. They abandoned the law, and they received a great substitute. They put the fleeting joy of this life, and the praiseworthy end in the balance of reasoning, and the difference became apparent to them. They found that it is of paramount light-wittedness of the mind to sell the endless good life in the everlasting abode of the light for the pleasure of an hour whose lust will end and its wretchedness remains. Yes, it is quite certain that if one day of the days of a pleasure preoccupies the slave from the beginning to the end of his life, it would be like a summer cloud that clears off bringing forth little rain and like an imaginary form or thing that visits one in sleep by the time it arrives it's about to leave Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in surah al-shura in surah al-shura or surah al-shu'ara rather in 26 205 207 afara'ayta in sinin ثم جاءهم ما كانوا يوعدون ما أغنى عنهم ما كانوا يمتعون Tell me, if we let them enjoy four years and afterwards comes to them that punishment which they had been promised all that which they used to enjoy shall not avail them The one who attains what he had hoped for of Allah's reward it is as if nothing of evil arousing from the things which he feared or was worried of has ever touched him during this entire life. In this regard, Umar ibn al-Khattab, may Allah be pleased with him, used to quote the following poem, إِذَا أَنْتَ أَدْرَكْتَ الَّذِي أَنْتَ طَالِبُهُ كَأَنَّكَ لَمْ تُؤْتَرْ مِنَ الدَّهْرِ مَرَّتَهِ It is as if you were not touched even once by evil. Once you had attained that which you were seeking. This is the end of Imam Ibn al-Qayyim's rahimahullah's introduction. And this is taken from his book, Rawdatul Muhibbin wa Nuzhatul Mushtaqeen. Literally, the beautiful gardens of the lovers and the pleasant stroll of the longing with a slight adaptation. By the way, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah wrote this book when he was on a journey away from home and from his library, as he said in his introduction. Now to chapter 1, after this introduction. Al-Hawa. 
What is Al-Hawa? Al-Hawa is the inclination of the self to a thing. The inclination of the self to a thing. Its verb is Hawiya. This is the past tense. Yahwa, present tense. And Hawan, the infinitive. Hawan. Hawiya, Yahwa, Hawan. The infinitive. As to Hawa and Yahwi, they mean fell down and falling down respectively. And the infinitive is Al-Hawi with the movement at the end being a Dhamma Al-Hawiyu which is a vowel point for you for the letter you Al-Hawa also refers to the beloved Al-Hawa also refers to the beloved a poet said in allati za'amat فؤادك من لها خلقت هواك ما خلقت هوا لها the one who took your heart who is for her she was created to be your beloved as you were created to be hers it is said that such and such man such and such a man is the hawa the beloved to such and such a woman and that she is his Hawa, his beloved. Most often, Hawa or Al-Hawa is used to describe the blameable inclination of the self in its love and desires. I will repeat. Most often, Al-Hawa is used to describe the blameable inclination of the self in its love and desires. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, in Surah Al-Nazi'at in chapter 79 verses 40 to 41 But as for him who feared standing before his Rabb, Lord, Allah and restrained himself from impure evil desires and lusts verily Al-Jannah will be his abode it has been called Hawa because it throws down its follower. It has been called Hawa because it throws down its follower. Its use may also be restricted to describe the praiseworthy desire and love, part of which is what is reported to be the saying of the Prophet ﷺ, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يكون هواه تبعا لما جئت به None of you is a true believer until his hawa, his desire is in accordance with what I have brought forth. This narration, Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani rahimahullah, said that the isnad, the chain of narration of this hadith, is weak because of the status of weakness of Nu'aym ibn Muhammad, a narrator. 
It is recorded in the Sahihain, Sahihain referring to the two books of Hadith, Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, and the word Sahih means authentic. It is recorded in recorded in the Sahihain from the narration of Urwa ibn Zubayr, radiyallahu anhu, who said, حدثنا هشام عن أبيه عروة بن الزبير قال كانت خولة بنت حكيم من اللائي وهبن أنفسهن للنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقالت عائشة أما تستحي المرأة أن تهب نفسها للرجل فلما نزلت ترجي من تشاء منهن قلت يا رسول الله ما أرى ربك إلا يسارع في هواك خولة بنت حكيم was one of the of those ladies who presented themselves to the Prophet ﷺ for marriage. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha said, Doesn't a lady feel ashamed for presenting herself to a man? But when the verse, man minhun, O you Muhammad, you postpone the turn of any of them, your wives that you please, was revealed, Aisha said, O Allah's Messenger, I don't see but that your Rabb Allah hastens in your hawa. Hastens in your hawa. This is praiseworthy. This is praiseworthy desire and love. And in the story of the captives of the Battle of Badr, Umar ibn al-Khattab said, فَهَوِيَ فَهَوِيَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مَا قَالَ أَبُو بَكْرٍ وَلَمْ يَهْوَ مَا قُلْتْ The Prophet ﷺ, هَوِيَ Here it means liked. What Abu Bakr said Here we know that Abu Bakr or the Prophet ﷺ Consulted with Abu Bakr and Umar ibn al-Khattab Regarding the fate of the captives from the Mushriks Following the battle of Badr Badr is about 90 miles uh, south of Medina And which took place this battle on the 17th of Ramadan On the second year of Hijrah Corresponding to 623 the position of Abu Bakr was to release the captives after getting a ransom from them to use, to be used to strengthen the Muslims. Omar's radiallahu ta'ala anhu position was to kill them. Allah's messenger approved the opinion of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to the Prophet sallallahu that he shouldn't have taken prisoners until the force of the disbelievers has been crushed. This occurred after so here Umar was saying Fahawiyah the Prophet ﷺ liked what Abu Bakr said meaning he was inclined this is the meaning here he was inclined to the position of Abu Bakr regarding the fate of the captives and didn't like what I said then he concluded the hadith also in the Sunan 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 is plural single singular Sunnah it refers to the collections of a hadith of narrations by renowned hadith scholars. Most famous of the Sunan are Sunan al-Tirmidhi, Sunan Abi Dawood, Sunan al-Nasai, Sunan ibn Majah. Together with Sahih al-Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, the collection is known as Al-Kutub al-Sitta, the collection of six books, or the six books of hadith. Some consider Imam Malik's Muwatta as one of the six books instead of that of Ibn Majah. Some consider 
Imam Malik's al-Muwatta as one of the six books instead of that of Ibn Majah. The story of the... Uh, now we go to the, the point of evidence. In the Sunan, a Bedouin asked the Prophet ﷺ, I came to you asking about the Hawa. And the Prophet ﷺ replied, Al-Mar'u ma'man ahab. Everybody will be with those whom he loves. Therefore, in conclusion, Al-Hawa is the inclination of the natural disposition towards what suits it. Can we write this down please? Al-Hawa is the inclination of the natural disposition towards what suits it. Al-Hawa is the natural inclination of the natural disposition towards what suits it. Such an inclination is created in man to secure his existence. If it had not been for his inclination to food, to drinks and marriage, he would have not eaten, drank or married. Thus Al-Hawa instigates him towards what he wants, just as Al-Ghadab anger averts from him what may hurt him. Generally therefore, Al-Hawa should not be dispraised, nor is it to be absolutely praised, just as anger is not to be generally blamed, nor is it to be absolutely commended. What is blameworthy is the exaggeration in both, Al-Hawa and Al-Ghadab, the inclination of the self, and the anger, and what exceeds the limits in attaining the beneficial and in warding off the harmful. Since for the most part, the one who obeys his hawa, lust and anger does not abide by the limit of good exploitation. An unrestricted dispraise of hawa, lust and anger is normally stated due to the generally predominant harm arousing from exceeding the limits in these matters. In fact, it is rare to find someone who seeks to achieve a just position regarding these matters and sticks to it, just as it is rare in every respect to find in people's attitudes the balanced attitude. Inevitably, there must be a predominant influence upon a person's attitude by one of his company and in a certain manner. So, for a sincere advisor to be keen about adjusting in every respect, the powers of desire and anger are rather unfeasible except in the case of some individuals of this world. Very rare. And that's why Allah did not mention Al-Hawa in His book, the Quran, except that He dispraised it. Can we have this please? And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not mention al-hawa in his book the Quran except that he dispraised it similarly it was not referred to in the sunnah except in the cases where it was restricted to the intended objectives as in the case of the prophet saying which we mentioned earlier it is said that al-hawa is hidden It is said that Al-Hawa is a hidden trap 
that one must not feel secure from it is said that al-hawa is a hidden trap that one must not feel secure of al-shaabi Amr bin Sharhabil the imam trustworthy and renowned faqih jurist that's right he met Ali bin Abi Talib and prayed behind him he said quote it is called hawa because it throws down its adherent end of quote in its general and unrestricted meaning it demands ready pleasure without thinking about the outcome this is very important in its general and unrestricted meaning it demands ready pleasure without thinking about the outcome it incites the immediate obtainment of lusts even though it is sooner or later the cause of the great sufferings this life has an outcome before that or the hereafter and al-hawa blinds its follower from giving notice to this fact man's maru'a maru'a this is a new term maru'a what is maru'a? maru'a means moral goodness comprising all virtues especially manliness valor generosity sense of honor this is what is called maru'a very comprehensive term man's maru'a religion and rationalism all forbid the pleasure whose outcome will be painful and prohibit lust whose legacy is sorrow and regret each telling the self when it desires pleasure and lust don't do it don't do it the self would obey the winner the self would obey the winner the winner in the struggle between the call for prohibition by the maru'a, by religion, by rationalism, by self-inclination don't you see because of the weakness of the rationalistic restraint in a child don't you see because of the weakness of the rationalistic restraint in a child he prefers what he desires even though it may lead to his own destruction on the other hand the one who does not abide by the deen prefers and likes what he desires even if it would lead to his destruction in the hereafter because of the weakness in compliance to the deen's prohibitive code weakness to comply to the code the one who does not respect his maru'a prefers what he likes even if he injures or shatters or even loses his maru'a because of the weakness in adhering to its prohibitive code what place does this hold in comparison with the saying of Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah Imam al-Shafi'i is Muhammad bin Idris al-Shafi'i was born in Gaza, Palestine in the year 105-150 after Hijrah and traveled to Medina in his youth to study under Imam Malik he also studied in Iraq under Imam Muhammad Ibn al-Hasan the famous student of Imam Abi Hanifa al-Shafi'i holds the distinction of being the first Imam to systematize the principles of Islamic law or fiqh jurisprudence Imam al-Shafi'i said if I knew that cold water listen to this if I knew that cold water would, would injure my would injure my maru'a I would not drink it 
if I knew that cold water would injure my maru'ah I would not drink it since man has been distinguished from other forms of creation by being subjected to the trials of Hawa and because at all times he encounters all kinds of events and occurrences two references of judgment have been established in order to deal with him the deen and reasoning <coughs> the deen and reasoning he is always commanded to refer all of his Hawa related incidences to these judges the deen and reasoning and to submit to their ruling he should train he should train himself toward us al-hawa whose consequences are safe in order to train himself to abandon al-hawa which have harmful consequences let the reasonable person let the reasonable person know that lust addicts reach a state in which they don't find pleasure therein can we write this down please let the reasonable person know that lust addicts reach a state in which they don't find pleasure therein yet lust addicts reach a state in which they don't find pleasure therein that's right yet they are unable to give it up yet they are unable to give it up because it becomes to them like an indispensable form of living it becomes to them like an indispensable form of living that's why you see the alcoholic and al-jima' addict al-jima' which is the legal sexual intercourse between a, ma- between a man and his wife that's why you see the alcoholic and al-jima' addict does not reach one-tenth of the enjoyment achieved by those who sometimes infrequently drink or engage in al-jima' infrequently drink of course we know that Islam prohibits all forms of intoxication however it is the habit which requires that of him it is the habit that requires that of him consequently he drives himself into destructive paths to attain what is demanded by the habit had he been relieved from the rain of Hawa rain, rain of Hawa what is rain of Hawa? this is much dirtiness from rust or simply dirt and filth had he been relieved from the rain of Al-Hawa he would have known that he was miserable wherefore he anticipated happiness depressed wherefore he thought he was glad and in pain wherefrom he sought pleasure he is like a bird that was deceived by a grain of wheat neither he was able to get it nor he was able to free himself from the trap he got caught in so if it is asked 
How could a person who fell in al-hawa free himself from it? The response is, by the help and success granted by Allah, he will be able to liberate himself from al-hawa by holding to the following matters. By holding to the following matters. And this is where we're going to leave it for the next time, for the next discussion, inshallah ta'ala. What are these following matters that Ibn al-Qayyim is reminding us of so that we hold to them in order to safeguard against al-Hawa. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ala muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.